59 of the Sleeper in the Bust. It is your Sunday edition, and I am Paul Spohr, joined as always on Sundays by Mr. Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going, man? It's going great. Matt Moore got demoted. I, we all knew. We all knew. And by we, I mean Twitter. We all knew. That- and I'm not even trying to be mean, but I, I told you I can't. I did not even tune in to the game Saturday. He was pitching. I'm like, lost. Didn't uh, even bother watching the game. I, I t- I'll tell you this. I was I was watching. I think I was watching the, the uh, Angels Dodgers game while playing PlayStation on the on the TV, uh, you know. So I had the game on the iPad, and and then across the top bar there on the iPad, it has all the scores of the other games. And I saw that Tampa Bay was getting killed, and I didn't even have to check. I knew, I knew that Matt Moore was pitching. Without, yeah. you know, I, I hadn't seen the probables that day. I'm, I'm saying it was so obvious that after they had six runs or whatever it was, um, and they fought their way back to the Rays, but yeah, it, I, I knew it. And I'm like, oh, Jason's having a terrible Saturday. This, this is, this is not good. And so yeah, he was mercifully demoted. You know, just clearly not ready. This is, of course. The worst case. Obviously, this doesn't happen with every guy off of Tommy John. We've got some guys pitching brilliantly off of Tommy John. One of them today, Jose Fernandez, we'll get to in a little bit. But um, this is the worst case where where you don't have any command and control um, and, and you struggle with what you don't already have coming off of this injury and just can't find the plate at all. There's just no measure of consistency or a game plan with more right now. And uh, uh, highest uh, highest batting average against uh, high, highest uh, BABIP was at 400. By the way, do you know who was second? This is since July 1st. You know who was the second highest BABIP against after Matt Moore? And he's only 20 points behind him. No, tell me. Who's at 380? Chris Sale. Wow. Sale. Well, you know yeah, what? I thought that was kind of funny because he that, strikes out everybody else. But Yeah, that's the thing. He strikes out everybody else. and But that defense has been a problem at points this year. So that's not yes. as surprising once you tell me the name. I should have gone for, for a White Sox player there because uh, that's that's hampered them throughout this year. I should have gone either for a White Sox or a Cleveland Indian because they've had issues with, with their defense, although they've shorn theirs up with uh, Urshela and Lindor. So that's probably why their guys aren't treading, trending so highly there. Uh, so, all right, we're, we're going to just kind of free form it as we normally do on Sundays, bounce around game to game. I love the full slate, and I really love kind of diving into the slate, pick out guys who perform well or maybe had a struggle, and then kind of talk about them. It's, it's a great day for that, obviously. You know, when Nino and I are recording on Tuesdays and Thursdays, games haven't been played. So talking about Monday nights and Wednesday nights games, a little bit stale. Th- these are fresh. You're going to hear about these tonight if you listen on Sunday night or, or Monday morning, and these were the games that we just watched. So let's just kind of dive right in, and I want to talk about uh, perhaps the most intriguing and exciting game of the day after capping off a brilliant series between the two that had all of baseball Twitter saying if this was the ALCS, no one would be upset. That's the Blue Jays-Royals game, and uh, you know, obviously there was the fireworks there. We could talk a little bit about that, although it doesn't really play into fantasy all that much, uh, but Ben Zobrist, you know, uh, after the fire Fireworks are heated up there, and it's a 2-0 lead, I think. I think it was 2 or 3-0 lead for KC. Oh, yeah, it was 3-0 lead for K, uh, for Toronto. He hits the two-run homer in the top of the eighth to make it 3-2 and really tighten it up after they just had uh, the benches clear. He's on fire right now, Ben Zobris. Since getting to Kansas City, he's got three home runs with them. He's got four in his last seven games, dating back to a couple games with Oakland. He's come off the DL, and he's really hitting. Now Ben Zobris' line is at 272, 355, and 480. Obviously, as a long-time Ray, I don't have to get you on board with him, but what are you seeing from him now that we're seeing a little bit of a power explosion from Ben Zobris? That was one of the things that we're worried about maybe tapering off with him. Better park. I mean, he still only has one stolen base on the year, and I think that part of his game's gone. But you can't ask for a better lineup for him. I mean, the, the, these guys are going to score. You look at, I think Kendris Morales leads his team with home runs and with 14. I don't know. I I know nobody's got 20 home runs on his team. I believe. And he leads the league in um, RBIs. I believe does. Because everybody's on base in front of him all the time. Exactly. That's the beauty of this lineup, and that's the great thing about Ben Zobers. This is why I love the signing when uh, the trade when they did it because he's a perfect fit. He runs the base as well. And the guys behind him are going to drive him in high contact kind of thing. So it's a beautiful thing. And he's definitely somebody that I wish I had on any of my teams. I have him on exactly zero. And that uh, that disappoints me. I, I, I completely understand that uh, that disappointment. I feel that as well. I traded him away in the one league. I did have him, but I got a decent return, so I'm okay with it. All right, so that game ended up going the Blue Jays' way. They actually answered with two after the Zobris homer. Uh, tensions did eventually die down. I thought it was a little bit ridiculous. Well, I do kind of want to talk about it for a second. What, what did you think of it? I don't know if you saw it live or, or caught anything on, on MLB Network with the tensions flaring. You know, these two teams – 
pitching inside on each other. Donaldson was getting his tower buzzed a whole bunch. Volquez was kind of instigating, uh, you know, doing baby eyes over to the the dugout over there. Did you see any of it? What did you think of it? You know, I, I did see the first pitch definitely seemed intentional. Uh, yeah. When they were saying, I heard backstory that they – uh, they were. They said that Donaldson was. They accused him of stealing signs in the previous game, oh. and that's that's what that's what started this uh, whole kind of thing. I didn't. You know, if you remember back to the the old dude in the white hat in the stands yes. kind of thing, Toronto. Yeah, I made a joke. I was like, at one point, maybe that guy needs to come up with a sign for for a bean ball that's coming, put his hands over his head, over his face. Exactly. Uh, because, it, but it was stupid about it is Jim Wolf issued a warning right away, Dude. both sides. And they kept throwing inside and nobody got tossed except for John Gibbons. <laughs> and, and then randomly Aaron Sanchez does. And, and the way he did it, uh, when Aaron Sanchez threw down and in too, or, or down, I should say, it was in, but it was way down. Um, and it certainly didn't look as intentional, especially for Sanchez, who has no idea uh, how to put the ball in the zone with any regularity. Maybe it was it's intentional. As the, it's as dumb as the Mark Melanson ejection today. It, it, he hit him with a cutter and they threw him out too. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. Jim Wolf had no handle on the game. And that was one of the points I really wanted to make was, you know, the players, there's blame to kind of disperse all around, but Wolf did not have that game in order, and that's why it got to the levels that it did, and that's the problem there. But anyway, if these two face each other in the ALCS, like I said, man, no one would be upset. I think that would be an amazing series. It would. Uh, I'm almost pulling for it. I, I've been saying, I've been maintaining that Royals, Blue Jays, Astros. If if two of them are in the ALCS, I'm going to be happy because I think those would just be great series, whatever they are. I want to mention quickly R.A. Dickey, who's uh, now dominating over his last five starts. He's only given up five earned runs going seven, six, mm -hmm. eight, and a third, eight, and seven. So listen, if you got off board, I completely get it. I was as patient as I could be in just about every league. The only one I still have is this head-to-head -head points league just because it's head-to-head -head points, and I'm figuring he's still going to get some innings and be okay. I, and it's a 20-team league, so I couldn't find anything better. So I almost – I basically got forced. That really wasn't any patience on my part. But I had him in another league, and I cut him a while ago because we're talking um, a 5 ERA as recently as July 4th. So I totally get it if you jumped off board. But I'd feel comfortable jumping back on in the leagues where you deemed him valuable, whether it's because the innings matter to you. Um, if, if, if there were – because I think I don't think he's an all formats kind of guy. I think he's pretty league specific. But if you're in one of those leagues and he's and he's still available, or you're the one who cut him and, and he's still available, I'd jump back on board with Dickey. And there was I, I was when I was watching that game today. The, the uh, TSN uh, had a graphic talking about the improvement of the knuckleball pre and post. Uh, All-Star break. Now, given this was only three games going into this, but now we have four games of data for him. I mean, it wasn't like the knuckleball was a terrible pitch for him. And before the All-Star break, uh, they hit 230 off it with a 407 slug. It's not, yeah, it's not terrible. Uh, this, you know, since the break now, four starts, 155 against, 196 slug. So they're not hitting it out. And really for him, what the and the point they made uh, in this is that he's throwing it more for strikes. It, you know, it's getting into the zone. So that was one of the points I wanted to look at. You know, it was a 63% strikeout rate before the break, and now it's a very nice 69% strikeout and 69. Strike rate, you mean? Strike rate. I didn't, yes. mean, to, I didn't mean to steamroll Sorry. the joke. I will address the 69 in a moment, but it, <laughs> strike rate and and nice. Nice. Very nice on that strike. Well, because I said this was a great graphic and then I didn't realize I, I realized the number. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, I just totally miss. I, I forgot to to uh, notate that. But that's really the thing. You know, he, he's getting more swings because he's throwing it in the strike zone. Mm -hmm. Forty nine percent swing weight prior to the break. Fifty six since the break. Uh, you know, the contact is the exact same, but he's getting more swings and you know, the knuckleball is not going to be a lot of hard contact and it hasn't been for him. And now he's getting the chases too, 26 pre 32 post. Oh, and wow. you know, now with that offense, the way that offense is going to be firing on all cylinders, that was another Ben Revere is playing every day. Now, ben, they said Ben Revere is going to be an everyday player. Uh, you know, two lows in that lineup. This should be firing in all cylinders. That's why it was a fun series um, to watch. Really, the, the two things you have to watch with Toronto going forward. One, what they do in those head-to-head -head games against the Yankees. And two, what they do in these one-run games. They have been Absolutely. miserable, miserable one-run games. That's why it was so huge for them to get those tack-on runs there because then they're looking at a 3-2 lead going into the ninth. And 
for whatever reason, they seem to have trouble there. And it's not like the bullpen has 11 and 22, man, 11 and 22. It's like Oakland. It's like Oakland. They've, they've, they've somehow fought to stay above water. Whereas Oakland just, it was too much for Oakland to overcome, even though they have a positive run differential that we're talking about 70 runs difference between the two clubs. And so they just slugged their way to staying in it. Uh, But now they've gotten some reinforcements. The Mark Lowe, you know, he didn't have a good debut with them, but he's been pitching brilliantly with Troy Hawkins. Don't sleep on that addition. I know we don't love him as like a fantasy closer i've been clowning him you know kind of all year as a as a fantasy closer but but been clowning him from the crib it was pumping 94 though he was pumping 94 in there for them so they've got some some reinforcements toronto's gonna be a force to be reckoned with uh really impressed they've got 12 games against the yankees and then they finish up the season um three at home versus boston three at home uh with the, the yankees the final series three at home with with the Rays, who are just you know rolling rolling along towards the bottom, yeah, then they've got and they've got three at Tampa to finish the season. They've got a real or Tampa Bay, sorry, a really nice end of season schedule. But these games against the Yankees, man, that's twelve games. They have they have to win nine of them. They really got to got to win each one of those series if they have any shot. Because frankly, I mean, they are now two games over five hundred after today's win. And I, you know, the second wild card's one thing, but the, you know, obviously they want to win the division. And the Yankees didn't do anything except for adding Dustin Dustin Ackley. Oh and, man, and, and pitching is not still that. It, the Yankees are, are beatable, but they scored. What did they end up with? Twelve runs today. Twelve runs today. Let's actually jump right. to that so game real 60, fast. That sixty-two runs scored this week in seven games. The Rays have scored sixty-one in their past eighteen. It's it's been unbelievable what the Yankees have been doing. They've just been clubbing teams to death. Twelve to three today. You know, you mentioned they didn't do any moves, and I found that peculiar too. I thought somebody like a Latos, uh, maybe settle for a leak, even get a Kennedy. I know Kennedy has Homer issues, but just get somebody. Who'd you say? Carrasco, if, if he was yeah. truly on the trade market, yeah, if like he they was were truly saying. on the market, then you start talking about like Aaron Judge and them. Wow, back to back homers for uh, the Mets here, including Curtis. That's right, Curtis Granderson having Dude, a great year. Is, it's it's unbelievable what they're doing. I was I was talking to a radio station on Friday. And I was like, I don't know if it says more about the, you know, the the, the fact that the Nash. I know the Nationals have had a rash of injuries and, and whatnot, but as bad as the Mets have, you know, as bad as their year is gone, when you look at losing David Wright and, mm-hmm. and Henry Mejia being an idiot and everything like that. Wheeler. And if they win tonight, aren't they tied for first? I believe that is the case. Yes. Um, there might be like a half game discrepancy here because the Mets are 54 and 50 and the Nats are no, the 54. Game back exactly. So, okay. Oh yeah. 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 I got it now. Yes. Um, so, it's crazy. It really is. And like you said, the Nats have had their injuries, but it, it feels like they certainly haven't dealt with what the Mets have, especially with how anemic that offense was. But right. um, we're talking, we were talking about before the season. Oh my God, the Nationals, this team's going to be insane. And just, you just never know. And girls. You just never – yeah, exactly. And it, it's a cliche because it's so freaking true. And Zimmerman's just getting hammered here. Back-to-back homers, then a Cespedes. Oh, wait, contract knock. years? Guys are allowed to get hammered in contract years? I didn't think that happened. Wait, I thought Zimmerman was going to win the Cy and Desmond was going to win the MVP. Now, I did think Desmond was going to be good, so I'm not making fun of anybody for that. But my reasoning had nothing to do with his contract year. By the way, I know we're going to get to that Yankees game here in a second, but sticking on this Mets game, how locked in is Lucas Duda right now with eight oh my bombs God. in his last 21 plate appearances uh, or at-bats? I, I don't know. They said at-bats on, on the TV uh, yesterday, so I got to go with that in case there are Dude, some it's walks. He's just hooking. He's going the other way with That's things. That's the thing. Homers. It's fun to watch a dude when they're locked in like this. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely really a blast to watch when, when a hitter gets locked in. It's fun to watch. And, you know, they walked a guy to face him yesterday with a lefty. And generally, I'm okay with that principle um, as a general principle against player X. But you have to factor in who the player is that you're going to face. And when you're facing Duda when he's that locked in, I know it was against the lefty. But I think you made your own bed there yesterday, Matt Williams. And, and you had to lie down in it uh, after he laces his he's elbow. A awful, he's an awful tactician. It's, it, it's not great. It's not great. Let's shift over to that Yankees game there because I want to talk about you. You mentioned how great their offense has been. It's been the best in the league over the last 30 days. Um, they didn't make any moves except for the Ackley move. It seems like, oh my God, bomb. <laughs> oh no, it might not get out. Is it? Yep, out, out. It, 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 it was like a just enough. So, oh my God, Zimmerman's night just basically ended there. Wow, he's so locked in. It's unbelievable. Anyway, sorry for that detour. 
this Mets game doesn't want me to talk about this Yankees game because every time I try to get to it, uh, the, the Mets do something else. That's insane. God, he's un unbelievable right now. Anyway, so do you think that the Yankees are, by not making a move, they're saying we're comfortable enough to, to think that our reinforcements are Ivan Nova and Luis Severino? Nova was great today, and he's been looking pretty good overall. Today he finally had the strikeouts to go with it. What do you think if that's their plan? I, I know it's like a little bit sketchy, but – do you think that's probably their consideration? That's why they didn't go out and get get a bunch of pieces? Uh, I guess Severino's making his debut on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. uh, so th this was, you know, this was their move to say, okay, this is this is our pitching addition because they didn't cost them anything to add him. Exactly. And, and you know, and, and when you look at other teams saying the same thing with the Rays, we didn't see any glaring holes in our offense. I'm like, uh, you need to borrow some glasses? <laughs> uh, but, you know, because they said Desmond Jennings is coming back. I'm like, and he looked like crap last year. So, but this is, uh, you know, Severino, the scouts have been raving about him. I'm going to, I will be in, I'll be in Wisconsin somewhere on Wednesday, but hopefully I, I don't know exactly where I'm going to be, but I'll be watching a TV because I want to see the guy pitch. I, I do too. And I really I, do. I want to see what, and Henry Owens is, is going to pitch on Tuesday for the uh, for the Red Sox against oh, the nice. Yankees. So yeah, it'd be nice back-to-back -back games uh, to watch there because I think, uh, yeah, the Tuesday night game is the Yankees and Red Sox. So we'll have on MLB Network. So we'll have, um, we'll have Henry great. Owens there. But I, I was I'm still surprised they didn't do anything. It's really you look at that pitching staff, you know, Sabathia is going out there. He's almost he's almost as bad as Matt Moore these days. Well, and Pineda uh, hitting the DL like right before yes. the, the deadline, you thought for sure. That's when I was like, oh, slam dunk. And if they do, if they do a Latos move, I, I could I could be proven right because we uh, Doug and I were doing mock trades on a podcast over at Rotowire. And we were, you know, I put Latos on there. I'm like, oh, this is going to come true. I'm going to look like a genius. And then they did nothing. I'm like, nothing. Wow. I thought they would have tried to do something. And I wouldn't have. Been been surprised if they'd have gone big splash, you know, trying to get in the Price or Hamill situation. But they did literally nothing except for Dustin Ackley, who, by the way, looks like a completely different person without his beard. Like I do not recognize I haven't Dustin seen, Ackley. I haven't seen him yet. By the way, I just I just saw the 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 dude a home run. Who else is hitting that pitch for a home run right now? Uh, no, exactly like you say right now. It was in. It was actually where it's where it was called for. That's that's the crazy thing. And 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 there wasn't necessarily that much bad pitching to him yesterday. Now there were some there's some pitches that he he crushed some mistakes. But a couple of the hits I believe from yesterday were what you would consider quality pitches. And he has just dialed the hell in. Yeah, they're showing it again. I mean that pitch is so in on the fists. And yet he keeps it fair, barely. I think it might have been off, actually off the pole. They didn't. It was off the well. It was off the plate too. It was in his. In his oh hands. yeah, yeah. That was inches off the plate, not multiple inches. Uh, just unreal by him. Um, we talked about Toronto earlier, and and obviously they made some big splashes with Tulowitzki and David Price. Let's talk about the team they traded with to get David Price. My beloved Detroit Tigers uh, had a rough, rough trip to Baltimore. There, I mean that they they. they uh, Split it for two and two, but kind of the way they got there was interesting. They they had no real business um, losing game two. They got a huge lead. They almost lost game one with a huge lead. They had to hang on for dear life. They got smoked on Saturday, and then today uh, six to one game over Baltimore. But the big important piece there is that Daniel Norris went out through seven and a third innings of four hit ball, one run, one walk. Five strikeouts, just a homer to Chris Davis as the only damage. Very impressive debut for you know a, a big future piece for this Detroit Tigers team. Did you get to catch any of it? I did not catch any of it, but I do like I did like the trade. I mean, when you get three left-handed pitchers for a guy that's gone after the year, and you know he's going to be gone. Yeah, he's not you know, back. And, and and yes, you know they they could have had a, a compensatory pick out of it because they traded for him last year. Yeah. Uh, so they would have been able to do that, but still, I'd rather have you know the bird in the hand kind of thing. And I would three lefties have, is really tough. Yeah, I would rather have Norris alone than the pick. Pretty much. <laughs> and then you yeah. throw in a. That's why the thing when they were talking about like Carrasco's availability, I'm like, you know, if somebody was, I, I think Mike Exis had said, man, I'd, I'd trade Luis Severino for Carlos Carrasco because yes. he's who you hope Severino turns into. Exactly. And when I when I saw it out there, I'm like, man, what team wouldn't be throwing somebody? I would say, oh, you want Nate Carnes? Cost control? Take Fine. him. Take Give exactly. me Carrasco. I, no. When when a team goes up, when a guy when the guy of that caliber goes up, to me it's like behind the scenes stuff. Like either he's clashing with coaching, he's un, you know, or slash uncoachable. Something else is going something. on because with that contract, never should be on the trade market ever. You wouldn't uh, think so. But the, yeah, that happens. So I like that. And then I didn't see uh, the, the the quality prospect that the Soria brought back. But oh, you know, still. 
kind of a, a, a role player type. His, his name is Jacoby Jones. He did bomb in his first at-bat, or first game at least, with Erie, the double-A club. But he seems like a utility infielder, athletic type. Utility being, or I should say utility fielder, because I think he can also play outfield. I don't know a ton about Jacoby Jones. But, you know, again, what, what, what are you keeping Soria for? To, to you know, be maybe the one uh, useful piece out of that bullpen. Alex Wilson's pretty useful too, but uh, not not a ton of strikeouts. He's going to be the closer there. now too. He is going to be the closer. The one thing I worry about is uh, doesn't strike out a lot of guys. So if, if you know the con- contact being a, a big part of his game, you don't ever love that for a closer. Uh, you really would like to miss those bats in the ninth. That way you can't get babipped. Uh, Todd they- Jones is back. Oh God, don't even. That's I'm going to tell Alex Wilson you said that and he's going to sue you for a hate crime and I'm going to support him. I'm going to be I'm going to be his legal counsel for that because I, I heard it. I can exhibit a this podcast and then you're sued. Yeah, I, totally. didn't, I didn't say I didn't say he was Doug Jones. I said he was Todd Jones. I think I'd rather be Doug Jones. That mustache was dope. Todd Jones was ridiculous. One yeah. last thing about the Tigers. J.D. Martinez, 29th homer. He's out of his mind. What round is he going swoon. in next year? Yeah, major swoon. swoon. Major swoon. I love him. <laughs> Second, second round. I agree. And a second. I think we talked. I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. There's no way he's making it out of the third round. He may yeah. not even make it out of the second round. No, uh, not with that kind of power and and just backing it up with and not the 315 that he hit last year, but 288 is better than we all gave him. And I I consider myself aggressive on him. And I was saying 270 and 30 bombs. He's hitting 288 and he's one bomb away from what I thought he was going to do all year. JD Martinez. You're amazing. All right, let's move on to our, our next game here. I, I mentioned, I alluded to it a little bit earlier about Tommy John guys returning on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of Matt Moore right now because uh, he's the very worst. The very best, I think, is Jose Fernandez. Now, Matt Harvey's done more, so I think if you wanted to rate him as the best comeback so far this year from Tommy John, I could be okay with that. But in terms of who's pitching the, the very best right now in their return from Tommy John, I would put Fernandez, Harvey, and then probably Corbin. Um, Fernandez was was great again. Almost got that 16th win at home. AJ Ramos unfortunately blew it when Alexi Amarista, of all people, hit a bomb. But then a Danny Hechebrea saved it for the for the club uh, with a walk off bomb of his own. Fernandez looked excellent. Now, I, I, for me in a redraft league, I think now is the perfect time to trade him. And the reason I say it is because I think you can get literally whatever you want. Um, and I, I still worry about maybe a couple of those ugly starts that we did see Matt Harvey have, because this is almost following Matt Harvey to a T. Uh, he's got a, yeah. he's got a two thirteen ERA so far through five starts. Matt Harvey had a two forty one. So, you know, he's a tick better, but by the time we got to around start nine, 10, 11, 12, Harvey had two, seven earned run outings in there. And if we're only getting what 14 starts out of Fernandez, if two of those final ones are his clunkers. That's tough. Now, I'm not saying you can pattern it out and say, oh, on start nine, he's definitely giving up seven. But Tommy John, the, the hangover hits you in a couple of starts for everybody. Nobody's immune. And f- through five starts, Fernandez hasn't gotten his. It will come. I'm saying jump out from under it now if you're in a redraft league. Not, not keeper. I'm not saying trade him and keeper. But I'm saying a redraft league. Get a mint for him, help your team, and then you don't have to worry about those implosion starts. You held on to him for, for a long time, and you got these five starts of a 213 ERA with a buttload of Ks. What do you think about moving Fernandez right now? Am I crazy? No, you're not crazy in a redraft. When you look at the question marks that you typically have about a guy, can he command his stuff? Because command's usually the last thing that comes back for these guys. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is his velocity back? Hell yes. It's yes. right where he left off. You look at the data. In fact, I'm looking at it right now. It's it's within a hundredth of a point. And it's, it's, he was 96.60 it's when he a, got hurt last year. He's 96.59. He's one hundredth, one hundredth of a mile an hour off where his fastball is. So it's sick. So, yeah, I mean, the question marks, there are no question marks with him. Right now, you know, when you look at to this point, moving forward, I, I, I agree with everything you said. If I can get somebody, you know, if I could package a two for one, as much as I've been um, harping, go after what you need in counting categories. Let's say you're hurting in steals and you can make a deal in like a mixed league and, and grab a, a guy like Fires, who's going to have some better run support now in Houston, grab him and an accounting category you need somewhere. Sure. Yeah. And, you know, Matt Harvey through eight starts had a 198 ERA, but then his next four, he had a 720. And it starts nine through 12, kind of that final stretch that we're going to get from Fernandez. It comes out of nowhere, too. They all talk about it. They say, you know, it just, 
I just it, it hits you, hits you like a little bit of a wall, and uh, it's just kind of a weird thing in that return year from Tommy John. It happened to Wainwright, it happened to him more frequently than it's happening to Harvey, and so he ended up with a 3.94 ERA, even though for most of his starts that year, Wainwright was still typical awesome Wainwright. It's just that when he had a clunker, it was a real clunker. So that's the only reason I'm saying that. I think you could really get a, a mint. You might even do a two for one when you do Fernandez and your first baseman and try to get somebody like a Goldschmidt. I don't know if that's out of the question necessarily if your first baseman's really good. Would you what about Abreu and Fernandez for Goldschmidt? What do you think of that? Mm-hmm. Is Abreu not no. doing well? Enough for me to no, say Brady is doing fine. He's doing well enough because I mean, I wrote about this uh, Rotowire this weekend that Adam Eaton and Melky Cabrera have finally come finally. to the party and, yes. and are setting the table our, for our him. Boys. And he's driving and runs. He's driving and we'll talk about them more in a little bit when we get to the White Sox. But you know, he, he's getting his RBI chances that he wasn't getting in the first half. Jose Abreu had 46 runs driven in at the first half, which is equal to what Mitch Moreland drove in in the first half. And Mitch Moreland did it time. nearly 100, nearly did it in, I think, 80 fewer plate appearances. Yeah, and time. But now since the break, I didn't look at today, but Abreu's driven in 15 runs. Yeah, he's got 62 um, on B-Ref. Let me see if he did anything. But 16. That was that uh, that was that White Sox game. He just went one for four. They only scored three runs because, okay. like I said, Nova was sharp. So he's but, driven uh, in 16 runs. So he's driven in nearly 30, uh, over 33, uh, over a third more. Uh, you know, if he's trying to repeat what he did in the first quote unquote half, he's driven in a third of that total already. By the way, Melky did not have two hits today. However, it's because he didn't play. There you and go. that's about the, the only, only way you can, the only way you can stop him right now is yes, to suspend him is to is to have him erased from the lineup card somehow because the dude is out of his mind. Um, all right, let's talk about a sore subject for you, the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, <laughs> hey, they Part won noise. today. They won today. Yeah. Um, honestly, the only piece I really want. First off, I laughed and I kind of died because there was a huge situation and Joey Butler was up and I just oh, thought of you and probably how angry you were throwing your children through the window. I'm just kidding. I folks. did. You heard um, the glass break? Yeah, no, and I was like, oh, my no. daughter's fine. Oh, no, I was like, she's in trouble. Um, but no, obviously, Jason does not throw his children through windows. He doesn't play running back for the Vikings. Um, but the crazy thing about that was not only that Joey Butler still plays, but that mm-hmm. they later pinch hat, pinch hit. I almost said pinch hat as if that's the past tense. Sick brain, Paul. He pinch hit, uh, John Jaso pinch hit for him. Why wouldn't you bring him in earlier? Because it it was DH spot, and John Jaso um, is out of his mind. He's got a 354-25-17 line. Now, I know he hasn't played a whole lot because he missed all that time, but he's panning out basically exactly what I was hoping for this year um, to get him as a catcher type who was going to play and be really good. He's been great so far. What what are you seeing out of Jaso besides that nappy, disgusting hair? Jaso is who he is. He's always been able to hit. That wasn't his problem. The reason why the Rays moved him is because he couldn't play defense for a lick, and that's why they were like, eh, and you're gone. I'm, I'm surprised he's still here. I, you know, I don't know uh, you know, what his market is going to be, I would say, as they continue to fall out of contention, um, and I've written him off for at least a month now. You think they could move he, him? He'll get moved. Oh, yeah. He'll, he's month? a guy that could get moved. I mean, I he'll get Somebody will claim him, and they'll be like, uh, I don't think he makes it all the way through waivers. They'll trade with could, whoever claims him is what you're saying. They'll trade. Yeah, they can make a deal. Like, fine, here. Let's make a deal. Agreed. Yeah, so, but when you um, – you know, the, the Butler thing, I tweeted this out earlier because I'm actually working on something. When he peaked, back on J- June 13th, he was hitting 347, 373, 529. This is Butler. 30 points split between his average and his on base. Yes. Um, since then, he's hitting 194, 295, 265. That's not good. Uh, that's his triple slash line. He is two for his last 27 with runners in scoring position. And the problem with the Rays is he has been the guy that keeps coming up with two men on base with bases loaded, with men on second and third. I mean, he's the guy that's leaving everybody on base. The people in front of him get on base. Here comes Butler, grounded in the double play, strikeout, you know, two outs. Like today, it was in the situation. There it is. It's two outs. Uh, Robbie Ross Jr. is on the mound. So, the uh, yeah, Ross. Um yeah, that, he's on the mound, and I know I know that Jaso struggles against lefties, but Paul, I'd rather have you at the plate I'm, than I'm Joey saying, Butler. That's what I'm saying, and I, yeah, I, I knew the like, same come thing. On, I knew they had a lefty in there. I didn't care. But I like, didn't care. Give Jaso a shot. It's better than Joey Butler right now, and, and the fact that Butler's still in that two hole, oh, that's that's frustrating. Anybody, anybody, you can. I mean, anything they could have put in the play 
would have been a better situation because when when you look, you know, right now he's got a 31% strikeout rate over this over this you know since he peaked. Yes, he's walking 13% of the time, so I guess that he helps. finally said, "I guess I'll stop swinging." Because when he was hot, he had a 2% walk rate. Now he's got a 13% walk rate. So yeah, I guess uh, but, he's, he's at least realizing that he's not. In the zone. I want to know who these pitchers are that are throwing him balls. There's no, I mean, he's not, I I honestly, and I'm not even exaggerating, I cannot recall his last productive at bat. (laughs) I cannot recall his last productive at bat. This is exactly why I thought of you the second I saw that he was up with the bases loaded. Oh, I sent a few tweets about it. I was like, this is just, this is awful. There's no reason why he should be up there doing this. Every day I'm like, why is he still here? Why is he still, he's my, he's my new. He's my new dog to kick around. Bold strategy. That's probably, a bad, probably a bad analogy, but yes, he is my new my new punching bag. How's that? Yes, yes. Bold, bold, bold strategy to keep batting him second there, Cotton. Let's talk about uh, – I have a game for you. Uh, a mystery, terrible team. It's, so they're terrible overall, but, but lately they have not been. They, this mystery, terrible team is seventh in WRC Plus over the last month, and it's like really surprising because they're really Phillies. bad. Yes. Phillies. You're good at this game. And I thought I could trip you up a little bit because they didn't have a great day today. Uh, they only scored two runs. But I wanted to get, kind of get crap some... out of the Rays. I watched them. I don't know when you look at this like, how? I, I don't what? I, I don't get it. That's the thing, too. I expected to kind of go in there and look at the numbers. And, and I thought I would see like uh, – I heard Don Brown hitting the ball lately. I thought I would see Franco out of his mind. Eh, he's been above average. He has not been out of his mind. You know who's out of his mind? Ryan freaking Howard is. Um, Jeff Francoeur. Is he still on this team? I, I don't know. Odebel Herrera is playing well. Yeah, I, I don't get it. Um, but, yeah, they, they're they're playing, like, really well right now. It's so weird, of course. Uh, Zop. Zombie Don Brown's raised his batting average, batting average 32 points since June, July 21st. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five multi-hit games. Didn't he hit his first homer too? He did hit. He's hit two. Two in the yeah, back, back to back. back to back games. Thursday and Friday. Nice work, Dom. Um, yeah, it, it, it's so crazy. And then of course, because baseball is baseball, the the what stops them. Um, is the guy who hasn't been able to pitch on the road at all this year, Julio Tehran. Because again, you're thinking, oh, well, the Phillies are rolling. So is there hope for Drew Hutchison then? I guess. You know, they're facing this guy who's got like a 720 ERA on the road. They're going to keep rolling. <laughs> nope, wrong. I bet team. I bet people stacked them today in DFS, um, and, and were burned on that when Tehran goes on and throws seven innings, eight hits, two runs, seven strikeouts, no walks. So great outing for him. But I wanted to give hats off to to Philly. I mean, the the, the fact of the matter is. The way the baseball season is with the length of it, every every team has their period. Um, you know, even the very worst teams, they, they all have a run at some point where it's like, hey, look at them playing pretty well. And this is just Phillies. So hats off to them. Enjoy it. Um, they'll probably go back to being the punching bag to finish the season and helping teams by uh, being an easy two, two, two out of three victory every every time they're facing somebody. So uh, I, there's nobody on that team I would want to pick up outside of Franco, you know, even if they're available. I'm not I'm I'm not I, I still don't really want to get Ryan Howard. Do you? He plays no. first base. It's the hardest. It's the easiest position to fill. So that's the thing too. It's like I'll give them their props, but there's nobody on here that no, I'm like, I, I I'm gonna go get Caesar Hernandez. Hernandez. Caesar Hernandez. He gets on base 35 percent of the time. He's I'll got 15 steals. He's scored. He's got. He's got 40 runs. The the top three guys I would roster in 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 different leagues. Franco in any league. Cesar Hernandez in NL only and probably deep mixers if I needed a middle. And then Odebel Herrera has done some things and has some interesting qualification depending on the league site that you use because he used to be a middle infielder. So those three, uh, okay. I'll, I'll give I'll give him some love because if you're not in an OBP league, Odebel Herrera is hitting 282 and he's, he's almost near uh, a double-double season, double-digit homers, double-digit stolen bases. But everyone else, it's not good. It's not good. Freddie Galvis, I'm not buying it. Let's move on. Uh, too, we already spent too much time on that. Uh, Iwakuma got smashed his last time out. Hasashi Iwakuma got smashed, and uh, he rebounded t- today though. Had a great outing going in Minnesota. Kind of surprised that they let him try to finish it. Um, and then Brian Dozier ended up being the hero. Of course, that was that was kind of an awesome game because in the top of the ninth, Cruz takes Perkins deep, so deep, excellent 
homer and then Dozier brings him back in the bottom of the ninth uh, so they have to go into extras and it was a little bit anticlimactic when when Seattle scored three in the 11th but Dozier is just ridiculous so the the point here is Iwakuma he's now been great in four of his last five the the fifth is a dud so it kind of you know sullies the whole uh the the other ones but where are you at on Iwakuma right now because he's also gotten his strikeouts back with six five seven five even in that bad outing and then eight today he's been great he has but this really is one you should have seen coming he owns the twins Oh, okay. That's why them. you said you're not surprised. Yes. I mean, he, he now has six starts against the Twins. He's five and zero with a 0.21 ERA oh, and a 0.76 whip. He absolutely owns the Twins. Man, that, at some point, too, and I don't know what that point is, uh, you know, at some point it's in their heads. They're, 42.1 innings pitched, 23 hits, one earned run. There becomes 42 a strikeouts, point nine walks. Where, where the guys go up there saying, I'm making it out. You know, or, or I'm going to be lucky if I get a hit. Uh, and it's obviously impossible to quantify because you don't know what that point is and, and who it affects most. But but you, you see it when these team when when certain guys just own teams for their career and it and it goes over to the span of four or five years. So even when other new players come in, I'm sure the, the veterans are like, oh, this guy kills us. All right. So the the only earned run that he's allowed against the twins in his career was the home run off Dozier today. Really? The Dozier home run. Yes, that's the that was the first earned run that Iwakuma has allowed against the Twins in his career. And 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 also, because I, I was actually going to quibble a little bit with him coming him coming back out in the ninth. Like, why not? Why don't you just go to Carson Smith? He had like 85 pitches going into the ninth, so I, I can't really quibble with anything there. Dozier just got him because Dozier's Dozier. Well, he hung a curveball right over the middle of the oh, plate. Oh yeah, no, it was it was a <laughs> uh, it, it was it was a pop lollipop there that he just destroyed. Um, but yeah, I was, I was going to say, well, why, why, why don't you just let, let the save happen there for Carson Smith, even though he struggled the other night, but when you're at, I mean, he finished with 91 pitches. So he came in with like 85. I'm, I'm cool with that. Uh, let's move on and talk about the Houston Astros and Arizona Diamondbacks. Cause I want to ask you something, not so much about the Astros. We know they're pretty good, but are the Diamondbacks kind of good? Am I, am I, I, am I crazy on thinking that they're kind of okay? They're kind of okay, and really, it's when you look at the, uh, you know, when you look at that outfield that they've been able to put together, the talent they've got out there, plus Goldschmidt. I mean, Goldschmidt, and and like five guys who are capable. None of them is is excellent. Although Corbin, uh, like I said, I probably rate him. Beef. The the beef pickup was really good for them. Who's that? Beef. Wellington Castillo. Oh, that's hilarious. Yes. He's been, he's been, Beef has been out of his mind. That's a hilarious nickname. I will forever call him that. He has been unreal for them. Nine bombs in 37 games for Castillo. He's got a 157 OPS plus. But, you know, uh, Helixson's been pitching much better lately. His curveball's been working for him, getting strikeouts. This is Zach Godley. Uh, I don't know what he is yet, but he's been at least capable through two. But but when you look at the, their, their staples right now, Ruby De La Rosa, as long as he's not facing lefties, Helgson, yeah. like I said, solid now for a good chunk. Uh, Robbie Ray, a little bit over his head, I think, and that's why I wasn't surprised that he got knocked around today. I think there's even a little bit more regression. So maybe he's not a 270 pitcher, 270 ERA, but maybe he's a, uh, a, a 350. Uh, so there's still a little bit more regression there. That's still capable. And then, like I said, Corbin has been pitching brilliantly. Um, they're not too bad. I just, you know, they're 50 and 53. The, the reason I bring it up specifically is because I was Their laughing. Their front office is bad. They're not that, bad. That's the thing. I definitely agree <laughs> with that. But um, to me, now it's not so laughable that they wanted Chapman. I guess I just thought they were playing much worse than they than they are. So when I heard right. the Chapman rumors, I was like, well, what do they need him for? If they, they're still thinking they got a puncher's chance, you put Chapman and you kind of juxtapose him against Brad Ziegler, I think it makes both of the guys better, to be quite honest. So I, I, I get it a little bit more, even though I don't agree with much of what that front office does. I just thought they were more than six and a half back for the wild card. So, uh, you know, I'm not calling for a Diamondbacks to the playoffs here. I'm just saying they're kind of okay. And if you got them on your schedule coming down the stretch for a contending team, you're not going to be very happy about that because they can hit, and now they've been able to pitch a little bit. So that's my piece on the Diamondbacks. Let's move on to the Dodgers and Angels because that's, that was an interesting series, I thought. Two, two high-quality teams going toe-to-toe, the two MVPs squaring off, Kershaw versus Trout. Uh, today was Matt Latos' debut, and it wasn't too bad. It wasn't great with the uh, one strikeout. You never really like to see that, but I'm not just going to judge it solely on strikeouts. He pitched pretty well. I watched, I watched a decent bit of that game. Six innings, four runs excuse me, six innings, four hits, one run, one walk, and that one strikeout I mentioned. So, you know, he wasn't missing uh, a ton of bats, but 
he was pitching pretty well. Just four swinging strikes. He was letting the defense do the work for him. Andre Ethier with two bombs. Uh, I believe it was the game tire and then the walk off. So I have awarded him one war. I, I don't. I think that's how it works. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I've now given Andre Ethier one war from for today. Right? That is sure. how it works. Okay. Okay. But um, we have to talk about Ethier. He's he's the ninth best outfielder by WRC plus this year, minimum <laughs> 300 plate appearances, and a guy nobody ever wants. And everyone thinks that he sucks. All, all they, I got a little bit of a Twitter discussion. I don't want to even say fight because I wasn't fighting with these guys. Everything was civil. It was a good conversation. But I was saying, you know, why why do they lead they lead the narrative with him? Well, he's overpaid, but. And I'm like, but is he overpaid? He was overpaid last year. If you just take 2014 in isolation, he didn't he didn't merit what he was paid for the production he gave. But he was also really good in 2013. So if you if you're looking at the new contract as a whole, he's right on track. Good in 2013, poor in 2014, great in 2015, because he's the ninth best outfielder right now. I think I can say great about Andre Ethier. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, it, <laughs> Now, I'm not sure he's going to hold up for the next three years, but that's neither here nor there. Right now, I don't think you can say he's overpaid. Am I out of bounds on that? Mm, I think it's maybe the life of the con. Does he have like two more years in the deal? He has three. Oh, yeah, two guaranteed. And then and I, I get that, but we're not there yet. And what if he continues to play well? I understand aging curves, and, and there's a good chance that he is going to start sliding. But he's been one of the most consistent guys in the league since he came in. And, in fact, that the, the 2014 season is the outlier, especially since he bounced right back this year. We all thought that that was going to be the beginning of the end in 2014. So why do we assume uh, that he's definitely going to suck the next two years and already penalize him for that? That's what I don't get. And plus I think that you need to judge these contracts based on the team that has them. I, yeah, per- I personally I, I, don't think that overpaid is overpaid regardless of team. If the team can afford it, then is it necessarily overpaid? Because you still want the asset and you can afford to pay a little bit more for it. Who's to say what 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 is overpaid and what isn't? I guess is right. what I'm getting. I mean, at. for me, for me, the thing is, you know, two, 2014 was bad for him, but it's the only season in his career where his on base percentage has been below 350. Yeah, and that is in 10 full major league seasons. It's the only time he's had an OBP below 350. I don't care what the bat. I know the batting average was 249 last year, but you look at everything else. It's like, you know, so he does. So he's never going to hit the 30 home runs that he hit in 2009. No, it's his career year. You know, nobody saw that coming, but is he a 20 homer guy? Maybe not any longer. Well, but if he the way keeps they use getting him. on base like this, yeah, if he keeps getting on base like this, who cares? No, they use him to be they're, – they're kind of hoping for like an upper teens, but they're also putting him in spots. Maybe he could get to 20-plus if they just played him all the time, but the bottom the, – the rates would just be worse. Instead, they're spotting right. him because they can afford to even though it is a little bit of a costly contract. My point is that even – even if the Rays were paying him this, if he was the ninth best outfielder and the Rays were paying him 18 mil, that's still that's, he's still earning his money. He's on track if you kind of do the war per dollar sort of thing at, at, at Fangraphs. Um, he's on track to earn what he's supposed to make this year uh, with the 18 mil. He's right on track for these next two months. So I, I, I don't know why I took up that mantle so heavily today. I just uh, I saw the the walk off and and I'm reading everyone you know uh, kind of saying ah oh, he's overpaid but and I'm like well. Maybe he's not so far. Let, let's let him uh, fail on these last two years to, to live up to the 18 mil and the 17 and a half mil. And then you can say, and I get it at 34, 35, he probably won't put up another 125 OPS for both of those years. But what if he does? Is it that unprecedented for a 34 right. year old who's hit like this, like you said, for 10 years to keep staying good? I don't at, think at so. His contract, at his contract, he's stuck where he is unless he gets traded to the Yankees kind of thing. Exactly. And in that park, it might be a really interesting fit but I, I'm try, I was trying to look up that quote that Madden made about Kyle Schwarber the other day uh, you know have you ever think about the fact that he's being successful because of the way we're we using him. him I love that I think you repeated and, that and I've been using it ever since I love it he, he say the same thing because everybody here like why isn't egg player why isn't Matt Joyce playing every day well the fact he was hitting 275 here because we only let him face right handers you know th- this is the kind of thing do you want to eat your playing every day no no <laughs> so uh, yeah don't look at what he's doing now and say well then you got to play him every day to get the money out of that deal no they're using him perfectly and he's got a 283 62 480 line he's just been beasting it's it's been really impressive to, to watch him especially after reading Molly Knight's book the best team 
money can buy and and you know it, co it covers the recent history here and he wasn't very good in 2014 and uh, there's a quote in there about something you know he didn't get the runner over he, I, he was kind of going for the RBI or something instead of trying to get the runner over and he comes back in the dugout somebody said something to him and he said that doesn't help my arbitrate or that that won't help me in arbitration or something and it's like yikes but the production is there so even if he is a little bit salty who cares? He's only got one year where he hasn't produced, and we've officially spent too much time on Andre Ethier. Now we've we've gone we've gone over. We're overpaid on 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 Ethier's time here. Um, anything from the other side of that game with the Angels because they ended up uh, what going uh, dropping that series. They got swept, right? Yeah, they got swept. So anything after to take away getting from swept that? by the Astros, that I believe that's six straight losses. That's that's tough, huh? That's not good. I'm and, almost and certain that yeah, they got swept by they got swept by the Astros. No, you're Wilson's right. on the disabled list with and, uh, and done. For the year. Oh, they said he's done. I missed that. Well, news. okay. Um, th that well, the Angels have now lost um, nine of their last ten after winning one, two, three, four. After coming out of the gate, taking six against Boston and uh, uh, against Minnesota, uh, taking six games against Boston and Minnesota, lost the last one of that, dropped two or three at Texas, got swept at Houston, um, and you know, took one of six on the Texas two-step, and then just got swept by the Dodgers. Like, uh, yeah, likely out for the season for C.J. Wilson. So, you know, that that answers everyone was worried about Heaney. But now what that means is that Jared Weaver is definitely going to stay in the rotation. I thought I think he was no matter what. Anyway, if he's healthy, he's pitching for the Angels. It's just kind of one of those things. But uh, Sant Santiago, Richards, Shoemaker, Heaney and Weaver. Is that five pack good enough for them to overtake the uh, no. uh, the Astros now? OK. No. And then, <laughs> you know, coming off of, uh, what did we say, six straight losses, their yes. next three starts against Kluber, Carrasco, and Salazar. Oh, my God. That's and then Gossman, brutal. then Obaldo Jimenez, then the, the red-hot Chris Tillman, then Chris Sale. So that's what that's next <sighs> week. This could, get, this could get ugly. This could be, you know, a, a double-digit losing streak here legitimately if they if they don't find a way to to snap it and I, they, they've got this is not a bad team you know they got the offense and they've got some decent pitching I think that I don't think they're going to hit a, a double digit losing streak but it's set up there when you're talking about you know Ubaldo's the only break they might get because he's been struggling lately but then he his overall season still had some decent signs but that's why you don't trust Ubaldo folks I try to tell you don't trust Ubaldo I tried to tell you back when he had a two whatever ERA you don't trust Ubaldo. You just can't do it. Um, I want to talk about the St. Louis game a little bit just because I want to highlight Randall Gritchick who just keeps hitting bombs. I'm actually kind of surprised he only has 12. I feel like he has like 48 because I feel like he's always hitting a bomb. But this dude's having a great season. 288, 338, 564. The dude has got power for days. What do you think of Randall Gritchick? Every time you see him hitting the ball, he's hitting it hard. And hard. This, was, this is one of the guys that they got uh, with the Angels trade. Yes. It wasn't he? I forgot. He was the, the backup swap. piece. So it was um, it was the David Freeze trade. Then they got Peter Burgos and, and Gritchick, and Burgos was who they wanted. They he thought he, they were going to be the, the new center fielder after he had a really great season. He was looking like – Burgos was looking like he was going to become a player. So Gritchick was kind of the throw-in uh, with that Freeze-Fernando Salas deal, and Gritchick's turning out to be the star amongst all four players to be be honest he's really winning that deal for the cardinals and he looks like a player for the future too i'm i'm, I'm pretty hyped on on Gritchick. what do you think yeah i mean when you make that kind of hard contact uh, let's hope he works out better than uh the um uh, alan craig let's hope uh, he does a little hey, better hey, than hey, that. hey 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 man alan craig did some good things in the year i was the most hyped on him he did very well so I, I'm, I'm fine with all my alan craig love i, I i'm bummed that he's now you know, basically, uh, not out of baseball, but isn't he trolling in the minors right now? Yeah, he's with the Red Sox somewhere. I feel so bad, but uh, yeah, I'm that, say let him go. But that yeah. year that I was obsessed with him, he had 22 bombs, 92 ribbies, and a 307 and average. And hit like 900 with runners in scoring position. Yes, yes, and then the year after that, 13 homers, 97 ribbies, and a 315 average. Actually, I think that was the year I was uh, super. No, I don't. I don't remember one of these last two. One of those two good years, I definitely uh, got off board pretty easily last year. So. I'm I'm fine loving Alan Craig. Don't worry. Don't worry about all that. Um, let's move on to Mike Leake's debut. Wasn't too bad. They didn't get the W, but he pitched pretty well. We saw two debuts for their new teams in this series. Cole Hamels pitched yesterday, seven innings, five runs. Mike Leake today, six and a third, two runs. Like I said, took the L. That's because Martin Perez was excellent. And now this is out of no, I mean, out of nowhere for his season so far because he'd been having a pretty rough go of it in his return from Tommy John. Um, 
struggling with walks in his first couple starts at, at Houston out Colorado. Not a great landing place, by the way. Then uh, New York comes in that Yankee game. <laughs> yeah, and then gets absolutely I was watching that because I was I, I was at Foley's uh, and uh, on uh, Tuesday Tuesday night mm-hmm. I was at Foley's and I was watching the Rays game and then I, the, the the Yankees and Rangers and the guy the guy that uh, his girlfriend to my right were watching the game and it was like five nothing and then the the manager was coming and we were just sitting around talking to one another and and then we'd look up and it was like hey it's five two it's five three and he keeps coming back and then he comes it's like 11 five and i'm like dude it's the same inning he's like what it's so, it, th- that game was so crazy and the, the craziest part about it is that texas after getting a 5-0 lead was no hit for the rest of the game isn't that absolutely yes. bananas Yes. I mean, crazy. yeah, it, it, that was that was insane. So um, Perez bounced back brilliantly here. Eight and, eight and a third, two hits, one run, six strikeouts. Like I said, the league was pretty solid. Um, first off, talk about the Giants in, in terms of how good do you think they are? Are they going to chase down the Dodgers? Are they back in the playoffs? Are they going to break the even odd year string? I don't think they're going to break it, but they're going to make it for a fun September. Okay. And then let's talk about the Rangers. Now, they went out and got – Cole Hamels, and this wasn't necessarily we're going for it because it's a long-term situation, so they don't have to necessarily do something this year to justify that. Yet at the same time, they add Cole Hamels, Derek Holland is on a rehab assignment here in Round Rock, and they're three games out of a wild card spot with the Rays in front of them, who you already think are going to fold. The Jays are in front of them, but that's a tough one, but the Baltimore Orioles... Eh, you know, they're they're okay. And then the Twins, that's a team a lot of t- people don't think is going to hold that current wild card. You think the Rangers have a legitimate shot at sneaking into the playoffs? Yes, because the Twins just can't. They're playing bad baseball. Yeah. And bad. I really thought I had them in. I made a tweet like a, a week, a uh, week and a half ago maybe and said, hey, I think the AL playoff race is kind of settled. And uh, I said that it was the uh, – the Astros and the Royals and the Yankees and the uh, the Angels and the Twins. Angels and the Twins. I think that's where I was. And everybody's like, "What?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, they're like, what about the Blue Jays?" And I'm like, yeah. "Well, they, you know, they they're, they're bullpen stinks, so they're not they, getting they, pitching. They gotta win some You know." <laughs> And then somebody like I, I made I made that point, and then you know the the Blue Jays won that one one run game right after the break, uh, right see? after the trade with Tulo, and the guy's like, yeah, one and zero, and then they lost that one over the weekend. I'm like, one and one. That's hilarious. <laughs> He's like, I was coming back to reply to that, but again, eleven and twenty two one run games. It, it, That's I don't think a team has made the postseason being that poor in one run games. I think they have a good chance to turn it around though, though, with the with the additions they made to that bullpen. I think Toronto has a great chance, and you know I picked the Yankees to win that. That division, I don't feel great about it right now, even with a six-game lead, because like we talked about earlier, they didn't make any reinforcements, so I'm just a little bit nervous. We'll see what Severino does. Um, I think that's going to really come down to it, and of course, you mentioned all those games they have against each other, but I agree with you that that Texas does have a a legitimate chance here, and I guess legitimate is what kind of percentage, like a a 15%? Is that – I I don't – in terms of the playoff odds – um, I, I, th- I think if we go by those numbers, their chances are probably really low, but I think they have a decent chance. I don't know how to put a number on it that, that crystallizes what chance I think they have. I just think when you're right. adding a Hamels and a Holland, and if Holland can be what he's been in, in his past, then all of a sudden you added two nice left-handed arms. They've already had some good offense this year. And then what if this Martin Perez, what if he's more this recent guy? Uh, what, what if he's more Sunday than Tuesday? Not all. He's not going to be all Sunday. There's no way. Everybody that faces the Yankees is going to get blasted like that. And that's <laughs> the thing too. You can it almost is, give it's so crazy. Give him a little uh, discount. How they working. Right. And then today he was rolling. I mean, I, I saw 30 of his first 34 pitches for strikes, and like he, I think he flipped the lineup over on 20 something. He was just rolling, uh, and that's really what they need uh, to to really help them out that just consistent pitching and hopefully Holland can come back and do that. I've been sitting on that guy all year. Me too. I, uh, I, I spent 10 bucks on him and I refused to cut him. Cause I'm like, okay, maybe I get the, I could have cashed him in for 10 more dollars of fab, but it would not have made a difference for this big weekend. Yeah. And by the way, I've got, I've got my chips in on, on Ben Revere cause I need steals badly in <laughs> my, in my AL home then. league, in my AL home league, I, I ended up getting both uh, Tulowitzki and Cueto and oh I wasn't God. counting on it. I mean, I had I had like the second most amount of fab, and I because in this league, what happens is if you buy the guy and you cut him before next season, you have to put forty percent of his salary back into the pot, so it's going to cost me like twenty something bucks. Yeah, but oh, wait, so, so I, you, I, you have to cut one of them. Well, I have Tulo at forty two, 
at 46, and I have uh, I have Cueto at 42. I'm not keeping either of those guys, so it's going to cost. Oh, me like okay, you say keep them the next year. I thought you meant yeah, you have to cut them at some point. Uh, this... No, no. If okay. I don't keep okay. them at the draft, I've got to bring extra money. That's to fair. Table. I'd be okay but with that. I, it, it, this is the this is the crappy thing about the CBS Fab system. You can't prioritize your bids. No, it, it's it's impossible. And it pisses I'm bummed, me off. I'm bummed about that today with uh, with the bid run that we're doing. Where we're uh, in an AL only where we're going to have all the guys available, and it's like you can't prioritize things. So I'm, dumb because I needed steals, and, and I was like, I could Revere and then I'm going like 26 bucks. I would have been able to have him, but I put Tulo there because I was like, I said because i wasn't high money man i was like somebody else is gonna be willing because the the league the the dude's gonna win first place it's done he's gonna win first place everybody's playing for second and then second there's a legit shot for multiple people and so i figured okay i'm gonna throw money in on this one and and if i don't get it then i'm i've been trying to like sell my team away like i lost i lost brandon moss but i got his salary back in fab and i been trying to trade chris archer and and, because he's in his final year and i can't do anything with him Mm -hmm. after this so i've been trying to to figure work on work on some deals just trying to get that Mookie Betts and, and Trevor Bauer thing, yeah, that never mater- never finally uh, never finalized. But then I ended up with Tulowitzki and um, and Cueto and Fab. So I'm like, okay, I'm out of Fab dollars and I can't even zero bid, dude. So I've got like one dollar of Fab left. Um, Ouch. I hate when you yeah. can't zero dudes either. Yeah, it's tough. It's, again, I wasn't counting. I wasn't counting on this. I didn't think I was. I, I have one dollar left. Um, so I, I wasn't counting dollar. on this happening. And then I ended up flipping because I need steals. So I didn't get him. So I traded. But I've got enough power. And batting average has been a problem for me. So I traded away Shinshu Chu, and Nick Castellanos. For and Castellanos was cheap. Chu wasn't keepable really. He's twenty three bucks, but nobody's keeping him. Castellanos was five bucks, but I traded for Jed Lowry and I traded for Jared Dyson oh, because wow. I needed steals. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, and Dyson's ten bucks, so he's he's halfway keepable next year. Yeah, uh, so I, I needed steals. So I ended up getting improving my batting average by getting rid of some guys that were dragging it down, getting steals, and I got this. So now where I was trying to sell this team a week ago, now I'm like, screw it. I'm just gonna try to play for second place. Dude, you're like you're like one of the teams, you know, kind of that's on this cusp of like the I'm second. Like, Wild card. I'm yeah. like, because I also traded. I also traded for Jeff Samarja because I was taking the risk that he was not going to get traded to the don't NL. Look at the box score today. I, I, he, I didn't own him today. It. I don't care. I didn't oh own yeah, him you're, today. you're not. You're getting him till <laughs> next week. Oh, that's fantastic. He, he but dropped. here's the problem. I do have an article going up on uh, Baseball HQ tomorrow morning. It's on Jeff Samarja. But I thought no, no. I thought we already gave when we talked to Martin Perez. We already gave the it's the Yankee disclaimer. So Jeff Samarja is he much better than Martin Perez? So he gets the disclaimer for sure. You, you get a little bit of a, a reprieve oh, with God the way the Yankees are hitting. That. I said he was pitching better. Every uh, everything that I said he was doing better just. But yeah, I still think Yankee you can retreat. go with it and, and but let's, do an enough about me. Enough about me, the White Sox. Uh, well, actually, one more thing about me, because I, I talked about the my Rotowire piece was Adam Eaton and Melky Cabrera and how they're doing better. And uh, when you look at it uh, since uh, since the second half started, this is not included today. Uh, it's today's stats, but we know Melky Cabrera didn't play. But Melky's got a 5-11 Fabip since, since Dude, the second half started. Been out and, of his mind. He has been as the problem is it's like one of these things when you look at it, like what is he doing differently? He's expanding the strike zone. He's hitting pitches that he normally doesn't. So we, I, I'm looking at his strikeout rate has spiked. It's up like 27%, which is really high for him. Uh, so he's, he's chasing more pitches out of the zone and he's striking out more frequently. But when he does make contact, he's finding a lot of grass. Mm-hmm. So, but then you look at Adam Eaton, whose numbers are going up since the half. Adam Eaton is, has decreased his strikeout rate. He has decreased the pitches. He's, you know, he's not chasing as many pitches out of the zone anymore. So you can you look at the two, you're like, okay, Adam Eaton's doing it, and we can see why he's doing it. Melky's doing it. We have no freaking clue how it's working for him. So I, I made the comment on the on the SiriusXM show yesterday. I said, if you want me to put my chips on, on one of these guys being good the rest of the way, I'm going to take Eaton because okay. we can see his skill growth. Because you only need 70 plate appearances for strikeout rate. Right. Yeah. So 70 plate appearances. Adam Eaton is doing better. 70 plate appearances. Melky is not. And it's dropping down. And it's kind of crazy for, to say this, but Melky Cabrera currently has a 14 percent strikeout rate and it's the highest of his career. Wow. But he's doing a lot of that lately. See, so I'm too. a little worried. It's fun to have him right now. But if one of these guys is going to fall apart, obviously the guy with the 5'11 Babip is going to fall apart. But, you know, Eaton's like 462. It's going to work for him. It's going to come down for him, too. But you can see skill growth. He's not chasing. He's, he's tightened up the strike zone, whereas Melky's just wide open and he's just trying to hit everything. 
at what's working so far. But like you said, 5'11", that's not going to last. We're going to wrap it up on that. By the way, I hope people like when you kind of talk about your leagues and your strategy. I know that exact thing might not necessarily apply to them, but but the thinking and, and, and critically thinking about your team, I hope, is something that people gain from because I like hearing that sort of stuff uh, both from you when we're doing this podcast and on other podcasts when different hosts are talking about stuff like that. So we'll wrap up there. Team. I only talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. I'd be okay with you tweeting about it, to be quite honest. But uh, that, that's just me. I'm, I'm one of those guys. I'm, I don't care if you talk about your fantasy team. I talk about mine. So uh, we're going to get out of here. you got to go. You're going to be traveling, of course. We'll catch up with you next driving week. Driving this one. I'm sure, you'll be, uh, I'm sure you'll be somewhere crazy. Hopefully you have a lot of podcasts to listen to while you're driving. We'll be back in a week, Jason. Take care. All right, man. Bye.